Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of 410 Sports Talk. I'm James Haskell, along with my co-host, Glenn Martin. And we are here tonight, brought to you by BetUS, to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. All things roster battles. You know, we got a couple of position groups to tie up. Updates on injuries. All kinds of stuff. Just, you know, here to field your guys' questions and, and really get into it on a Thursday evening. Man, it's Thursday. We made it. Another week, baby. Yeah, one more day until the weekend and uh, a couple days till school gets started around here. So this is an mm. exciting time uh, in, in general here in Baltimore. But yeah, one step closer to the Ravens regular season. Of course, that final preseason game coming up this Saturday. Yeah, It's going to be, I think, going to be interesting to see who plays, who's suited up for that game and who is, uh, you know, who they've seen enough of. If there's any remaining battles to be won on that final day, I, I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who's who's out there and who's not. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I agree with you because there's going to be a strategy between like, okay, what's the risk reward? Who are the guys that? Because we're certainly going to see the guys <laughs> if guys are suiting up and they're going out there and they were like already long shots and they they already know right like, yeah, it's over for me here, right? I mean, it could be what you could be watching is the last real football game for some guys out there, like yeah, of their lives, right? So, you know, it, it certainly means a lot to those guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. But then there's also going to be inevitably some guys that have to play for numbers mm-hmm. and some bubble guys. Right? A lot. You know, I shouldn't say some, quite a bit of guys that are still in the hunt, I'm sure, and looking to make an impact. Let's not forget here in Baltimore, we all remember that last preseason game with Michael Pierce. Yeah. I think yeah. he had... He had, I mean, he, he had a sack. Did he have a safety that game? Is that, I think he blew that. I know one he got open. to the quarterback, but I can't recall if it was. A yeah. Safety. I mean, he, but he, he dominated that game and flashed a number of times from that position, which is rare already. So yeah. look, there's always a chance that a guy can go out there and do something uh, to that level. So it, it'll be interesting. It's interesting to see how, uh, how that transpires, but Glenn, I forgot the pleasantries. How are you doing on a Thursday evening? Doing good. Yeah, hey, how man. was blue, blue beetles? Is that what it's called? Yeah, actually, we went to uh, Benji's, the outdoor uh, movie Route theater. Forty, baby. That's right. Uh, it was it was cool, man. It was it was definitely a unique experience for my son, who's never been to an outdoor movie theater. But one thing you got to remember: uh, the windows down, obviously, because you can't leave the car running. Mosquitoes will have no problem entering your vehicle and assaulting you during a movie. <laughs> no problem at all. They'll fly right in. Uh, you know, just destroy you during the entire movie. So I had to get used to that. I didn't think. What would you bit- rather do next time? Would you rather sweat in like a snuggie or a blanket and not get bit or get bit again? Oh, I might have to sweat it out, dude. I yeah, hate man. getting bit by mosquitoes, bro. Yeah. Yeah. It's obnoxious. It dry- and then you start getting paranoid once you know there's some in there. Mm-hmm. And then you're every little thing, uh-huh. you think there's a bug on you. So it, it just compounds. But. No, it was a pretty cool experience going to the uh, to the outdoor. Uh, you, like the movie was good? you like the fade? Yeah, my dude. man Kevin. My man Kevin. Shout out, shout out to the to the fade. Yeah, my son needed to get his his before school haircut, and I had to go get lined up with him. So, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. straight razor fade, baby. <laughs> yeah, all those haters say I'm going bald. You see this? I just got a big ass forehead. Okay, <laughs> I got a billboard for a forehead. All right, it's always been there, folks. It's right. It's not getting bigger. It's just, I mean, look at it. I got to get some powder on this thing, by the way, dude. (laughs) This thing is shiny. Oh, that's awesome. But uh, no, the movie was good, though. Like, would you recommend it? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was okay. It was more, I think, maybe for the younger crowd than me. Eh. But um, yeah, it was entertaining. I don't think you'd like it. No? No. That's not your speed. (laughs) No. (laughs) Have you ever watched any of the Marvel movies? Uh, I think I've watched like two or three. I do like some of them. I watched okay. the last one, like the one with Thanos and okay. Okay. Yeah. Watched that one. But, uh, I'm trying to think if I do, you know, which ones I like are guardians, guardians of the galaxy. Oh yeah. They're good. That last one was good too. Chris Pratt's hilarious to me. Like, yeah. He's, and I like parks and rec and he's just Andy, like from parks. And rec. It's just, it's the same guy. Like just a big goofy guy. That's like, you know, playing a role that's bigger than him and doesn't really get it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for sure, I like those. But like uh, yeah. well, and then wait, does Black Panther count as Marvel? Oh, of course, heck yeah. Well, then He's I an love Avenger. Black Panther. Yeah, man. And the soundtrack from Black Panther is good too. I run to the soundtrack a lot. There you go. Um, I do. I the second you. one. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you got to get creative, dude. When you're out there for hours. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You get 
Yeah, well, I'll, really I quickly, know what that's we'll, like. we'll talk football in a second, but I got to tell you this. My son really likes Disney, and so we listen to soundtracks. And so uh, sometimes when I run with him, if he's getting antsy, I'll just take my turn my headphones off and I'll turn on a Disney soundtrack, like mm-hmm. uh, like the Coco soundtrack, and I'll just put it like loud on my phone, like in his stroller, so he can jam out to it. And I know people think we're crazy. I'm just like singing Coco. Like hey, we're just man. going to town. Parents, parents get it. Oh, for sure. Parents get it. I mean, there's a reason you'll see a dad who knows the entire ballet recital start to finish because his daughter's in it and he's been helping. So, yeah, we do all kinds of, of uh, embarrassing yeah. things, you know, for our children. So, But you never feel embarrassed in the moment. Right. I don't know, because you're no. a child. You don't yeah, it's bag. just comical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You just laugh it off. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, enough of that. Let's we'll get back to Ravens. some good news. We got, we right. got yeah, good talk to me. We got a lot of good news, and it's making me feel a whole, whole lot better about this cornerback room. Yeah. Because when Marlon was out, it was looking pretty grim. I mean, he's still out. But when Marlon first went out, I should say, Rocky Sin was still out. J- Jalen Armour Davis is still out. We still didn't have Arthur Mollette. We, we had a lot of issues, and they're signing guys. They're claiming guys like Tay Hayes, and they're, and they're bringing guys like Ronald Darby in, who's fresh off an injury. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long first couple weeks until Marlon's back. But as of the 23rd, uh, which was what yesterday? Yeah, yesterday mm-hmm. we saw the return of a bunch of guys to that cornerback room, and man, it couldn't it, it put a big smile on my face. First and foremost, Rocky Sin back at practice. The only guy, you know, on the outside that has significant play experience. Yep. Darby does, but of course, he's new to the room and coming off the injury. Big time to get Rocky Sin back. Huge. And also to give him enough time because before he went out, he was admitted and there was some there was a learning curve, you know, coming mm-hmm. into such a multiple defense where he came from a defense that didn't play as many different formations. So uh it's good to know that he'll have some runway to get ready for the season. Armor Davis is back, which I know you still you're still not sold on, you know, how much we can actually count on him, but it's at least nice to see a guy that has all the talent, just needs to put it together and stay healthy, uh, he's back on the field. Another outside corner, which the Ravens yeah. seem like they're, they're desperate for. And then Arthur Mollette, another guy who's got some big-time play experience, more of a nickel, nickel, but also super physical, high energy at practice, a guy you want at practice. He's back. So you get three big-time corners to go along with already having Darby out there, Caillou's out there, your boy Brandon Stevens, playing well, still out there. And then, you know, Kevon Seymour has really taken most advantage of this extended play time and turned himself into a heck of a player. He's out there. And then, of course, you still have guys like Corey Mayfield, who struggled, uh, Tay Hayes, who had the big interception, mm-hmm. and then Jeremy Lucian, uh, also an undrafted free agent. So all of a sudden, it's not looking quite as bare bones as it was a couple days ago. There are at least – exactly. That's a great way to put it because there are at least bodies, right? There are guys out there that are – at this point, somewhere between serviceable and average, right? That we've seen be that on a professional football field. Mm-hmm. So that's all right. Like we can deal with that till Marlon comes back and hopefully those guys stay healthy. And and that's I don't mean to downgrade any of those guys. I'm just saying that that's what we've seen last. They could play better than that. That's yeah, certainly possible. Uh, but we just aren't a hundred percent sure yet. So um I and I, I like Dawson said it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like our Darius as well. As far as I don't know if he's going to start the nickel, I don't know what they're going to do with him, but it's nice to see that he's made a noticeable jump so he can be another guy that contributes to that room. Uh, and uh, and hopefully, you know, they can tread water is really what they got to do. They got to tread, tread, yep. tread, tread, and and improve. Like all these guys are are dogs, right? Like they all want to be out there and and be the number one guy, right? Like I wouldn't be, I personally wouldn't, I would be like, okay. So I suck and I'm just chopped liver until Marlon comes back. No, big middle finger to you. That's right. I'm I'm gonna show you what I can do, right? Like, and I'm sure yep. all these guys, no knock on Marlon, but they're competitors. You know, it's right. not like you know, they want their teammate to be out or anything like that. But they just want to show people what they can do. So um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how this goes, but you're right. Certainly the the uh the alarms aren't going off like they were when the cupboard was bare. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, are there any one of the things I was I was curious about, at least in that room? I mean, I guess there are, but 
what do you think the biggest position battles are like going into into this game man like groups wise i guess you know we don't is there any right i mean or is it already just locked up i find it hard to believe anyone could win or even lose a job i mean the only thing what about I... mitchell well Kate first mitchell. of all you know those who didn't see big big uh good news on the fact yeah. that his shoulder injury appears minor look like he got a stinger yeah uh, yep. so he's back already at practice and i mean to me i've already seen enough from mitchell to say he's better than melvin gordon like the burst is there you know he runs hard he's way more versatile as far as his ability to help on special teams He's been great as a receiver out of the backfield, and he's been serviceable, I'd say, as a pass blocker. Not Because that'll get you off the field quick as a rookie. If you can't mm -hmm. pass block, it doesn't matter how good you are at those other things. And he's been good enough to where you don't have to ship him right off the field. So I don't know how Melvin Gordon makes this team. But then I go, but how the heck do they fit three running backs plus fullback Patrick Ricard and – now you're adding Keaton Mitchell to the group. I just wonder from a numbers standpoint how they can make all this all this work. Yeah, no, and that's what I'm saying. I I feel like he I'm right where you're at. He's done enough to force himself onto this roster. But where else do you like does it end up being five wide receivers? You know what I mean? That's an option. Yeah. Right? Do they like him more than than a Tylen Wallace? You know, that's a possibility because I think that's we've said like we've we've identified him as our you know, sixth guy. Mm -hmm. If there is a six receiver, uh, is it a Patrick Ricard, right? Like has, has Pat finally found come to the end of the road here and that's where they make a, uh, a decision, a tough decision. Uh, I don't think it's going to be DBs at this point because they can't no. afford to, right? There's been too and many guys about Volkolek. Like where does Volkolek yeah. to me? He looks like a professional tight end. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're not wrong. And it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they think he, I mean, you got to think he still gets through the practice squad though. Right. I, I don't, I just, I don't know if somebody would get him. You talking about Keaton or Volkolek? Sorry. No, Volkolek. Man, I don't know, dude. I mean, he's put on, I yeah. think he's put on a good enough display that he's better than the third tight end of some team out there. I got to I imagine. That's true. Yeah. You know I mean? He's shown that the lights aren't too bright. He's making strong hands catches in the end zone. He's not, I don't know. He looks, and he's big. I mean, you saw him. He mm -hmm. is a big dude who can run. Uh, yeah, willing blocker. He's got good hands. I mean, yeah, yeah. That that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So I mean, I think Keaton Mitchell's one. I think Volkolek is another. Uh, and then I've, I had it up a second ago. When when is roster? When is the final roster cut day? I think it's right. It's like uh, two days after or a day after the final preseason game. August 29th um, by 4 p.m. So that's Tuesday. Yep. Yes, yeah, so that would be just a few days following okay. yeah, the Saturday. This Saturday yep. Right. And so, hmm, man, it's going to be interesting. I think one of the things we'll talk about for sure after the game on Saturday is maybe we'll have our, our rosters, Nothing our roster, roster predictions prediction. lined up. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm probably going to kick your ass in that, like always. Yeah, what about the draft? How'd that go for you? <laughs> My son guessed it, right? That's because he was listening to me. He was being smart. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, hey. but uh, are there any other? What about on the D-line? Like, you got Ham, who's made a bit of a... Yeah, now see, Ham to me just screams practice squad. Like, a guy who's yeah. shown flashes, but I doubt he'll be picked up realistically and signed to somebody's team. That's true. So I think he's a guy you can squeeze through, but I'd be excited to put him through because I think he's got potential. He just needs to get stronger he needs to continue to you know to, to work on his technique but I've, I've seen flashes that get me excited about Malik Ham for sure yeah yeah what no you, and then what do you mean to this what does this mean you could cut a brick of coke on that lineup it means your lineup sharp bro oh this yeah, yeah. my man yeah. my man appreciate sharp. you it's crispy hey man he took his time you know yeah man professional yeah he's professional I got a good story about a barbershop. You want to hear this one? Yeah, what's up? So uh, when I lived in Long Beach for a few years, we, you know, I'd get my hair cut every six weeks or so. Nah, probably every four weeks. And we always went to a different barbershop just because, like, I was new to the area, wanted to, you know, figure out new barbershops, whatever. Went to yeah. this barbershop, barbershop called Bada Bing. 
right? The whole left side of the wall, the whole side of the wall was a mural. The one that's in Scarface's house, the like Hawaiian looking room. Okay. Yeah. Like the oh, sunset yeah. and things yeah. like that. Dude, the biggest outside of the door, they got this, this metal door that you can see through, right? Everywhere in California. If you, if you ever been to SoCal, you know, these doors, they're the metal doors that the sun gets, I mean, uh, the, the, you know, so you can have the door open, but it's a safe door. It's like a garage door, air, but oh, no, man. well, air still gets through it. So it's like metal. It's like a metal screen door. It sounds like the gates they have at the mall that pull they pull down when they close no, the shop. No, 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 no it's no. not that. But uh, anyway, point is, I look outside. I'm getting my haircut. Look outside the door, and I swear to you, the widest pit bull I've ever seen in my life. Oh, <laughs> I mean, black, big white mark on his chest. It was a an intense barbershop, to say the least. But the best part, the dude that was cutting my hair didn't know I spoke Spanish. Ah, somebody tried to charge talking. me more. Because I'm a really, winner. really, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I broke it, over here, dude. Bro broke it out of him in the cash register. Dude. <laughs> like, dang, yeah, dude, you don't look like you speak like no, and I ridiculous Spanish at all. I wouldn't bet, I wouldn't bet it at all, dude. I was like, really, you're gonna do me like that? And he was like, <laughs> like, damn it, you weren't supposed to hear that part. That's right, dude. Check, yeah, you check. would catch everyone off guard with your Spanish. They yeah. are not going to see that that coming whatsoever. It's a good time. Anyway, I figured you'd like the story. But we've talked not enough Ravens. We'll uh, get back to it. Absolutely. And I am super yes. excited to see that uh, a, a guest that I think we should have we probably had on a long, long time oh, ago. Yeah, I'm kind of sure. disappointed in us that we haven't had – uh, this gentleman, a, a film guru, I think is a, a an easy way to put it, but certainly works also with the Ravens, uh, does some freelance work with the Ravens. So you guys have probably seen him on YouTube. Cole Jackson, welcome to the show, Cole. Appreciate you coming. <laughs> out. Thanks, boys. And sorry I'm late. I had a screaming baby. I was trying to post a video with my other hand. It's just the newborn years. They kill you. They kill oh, you. Yeah. How are you boys doing? Doing good, man. How are you? Good. Good, good. Better now. Better now. The baby's asleep. <laughs> Jimbo knows all too well what that's like. Oh, He's yeah. In the same boat. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go. No, for sure. What part of Canada are you in? I'm in Ontario, right in the nation's capital. So, I'm right in Ottawa. Nice. That's awesome. And I, I got my first trip to Baltimore done uh, back in December. Unfortunately, it was the Broncos game where Lamar got hurt. So, oh, no. oh so you're bad luck, Cole, is what you're I'm saying. I'm the worst luck. Like, don't <laughs> let me back. Don't let me in the state. Don't let I'm going to tell Border me. Patrol, Cole. Do it. Do it. It was bad. Hold him at the border. Hold it's him literally the, border. the most boring game ever. I, oh, I bet. I bought the best seats because I'm like, I never get to go to the band. Uh, I'm getting the best seats. I'm sitting with only Broncos fans. It was uh, the worst, but uh, like everything uh, else was great. I loved Baltimore. I stayed in, uh, I stayed right in Fells. Um, I got, I got into one at, uh, uh, what's the one right on the, right on the water, uh, the bucket, the, something like that. Anyway, it was an amazing time. I love Baltimore. It was such a blast. Yeah. That nice. same day, Cole, my son fell out of his high chair and cracked his head. Well, he didn't crack See, it. I'm but he Don't hit his head. In. I'm a security guard. Uh, again, guy. that's Cole's problem. <laughs> yeah. Cole brought bad luck into your house. Come on, <laughs> man. <laughs> no, we're so glad you're here and, and really excited for it. And you know who we're going to blame, Glenn? You know who we're going to blame for, for, for not lining it up with Cole earlier? DK because it's DK's here. fault. Yeah, he's not here. He's not here. Yeah, so he can't he can't defend himself. So yeah, it's all DK's fault, guys. Uh, but no, super excited because Cole, you know, look, we're fans, so we can watch and see a receiver catch a ball, and we can see J.K. Dobbins shake someone out of their shoes. But there's intricate details that we miss on the you know the big slobber knockers that I appreciate someone of your expertise being able to help make things a little bit easier for an average fan like myself to, to kind of see. So I wanted to start with the, uh, with the slobbernard, but I got a lot of notes here, Cole. So I hope you um, got your thinking cap on here. Let's I go. appreciate it. All right, cool. So I got to know about the left guard battle. I know this isn't probably the, the, the question that everybody in the, in the comments was waiting for, but we'll get to all of them. But John Simpson comes in. I like John when he was coming out of Clemson. I thought, you know, I thought, hey, maybe he could be a later round selection for the Ravens. Had some up and down years, I guess, with the Raiders. But since he's come here, he's been in that that battle with Salah for the left guard position. It looks like currently he has a hold of it, being as though he's getting so many reps with the ones. But what have you seen from John Simpson and how, how um, what's your expectation on the level of play he'll provide? Absolutely. Yeah. I think he hands down one and Sal has been bad. And uh, I love that they gave him the first team look. Um, I can't figure out. I don't know what Ben Cleveland did to John Harbaugh, but he must have, I don't know, 
kidnapped someone. I have no clue. <laughs> kidnapped a family member. Maybe Jim's in his trunk. I have no clue. Um, but he did something to hurt him. And uh, he never got an honest look. And it just, like, I know people, like, I don't love Ben Cleveland as a player. I find that I've been so curious about this. I find myself defending Cleveland so much that it makes it look like I'm, like, a Cleveland fan. I'm really not. I just, I don't get it based on what happens on the field. Like, even in the past, anytime he's been on the field, I've never been like, oh, Ben Cleveland's killing us. Like, that's not, and especially his best feature has been pass pro. Protecting Lamar needs to be the priority so I, I I don't get it, but that's put that aside. John Simpson focus. I think he's flat out won it. Um, he's going to be a really really interesting player to look at the impact of coaching. And what I mean by that, if you go back and I went back and watched, I think three games from his uh, Vegas tape last year. His biggest issue was landing his hands wide, so he would essentially start hitting the shoulder pads. He'd be giving up his chest, and guys are just pumping him like they're hitting the sled, and he's just mm-hmm. getting driven back he's doing that body contortion where he's digging his heels. Well, like he's like sloped up like this. Cause he's getting driven so bad. Um, it was a constant problem last year. And then he comes in here. I'm seeing hands light or hands land square hands land. Well, um, not the greatest anchor, which surprised me cause he's pretty physical in the run game. Um, but you know, he's, he's getting the job done and he looks a lot better. So did he this summer did, well, I guess question one is, is it the level of competition and maybe things will look a little bit different? Like, does it look different if we see Jonathan Allen in the game and uh, Darren Payne on 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 Monday? Maybe. Um, but I'm going to credit him based on what I'm seeing. And it looks like his technique looks a lot better. So credit Coach Joe D. Um, he seems to always get guys improving their technique. It makes a difference. So we'll see how he does once he's playing against starters. But I would say he's got the vice grips on the one job. I don't think I, – like I said, I, I, I respect that they gave Sal an honest look. Um, I like a lot of his tools, but at the same time, he's a six-round six round, yeah, six draft pick. Um, how much can you expect in year one out of those guys? I mean, we could barely get our fourth-round picks going before year three, right? Like we just lost yeah. another one in Ben Powers. Um, and then, you know, we'll have Andrew Voorhees to uh, uh, develop as well. So that's what I'm seeing from Simpson. Well, so, and Jimbo, let me ask a quick follow up because I, yeah. I I, I want to stay on the in the same group. I swear, Glenn, if you ask my question, all right, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna steal it. Patrick McCary. Gosh, dang if, it! If he is, how is he not being considered as one of the best five? Why didn't he get a fair look at left guard, especially like you mentioned? And we're gonna get into this guy later. But I've I've been watching your stuff, and Falele looks like he could do the job as the swing tackle. And you yeah. mentioned Ben Cleveland, who by the way got a. You know, he got bashed because of that Jalen Carter clip that was floating around Twitter, but he's not as bad as everyone thinks, and he could be the the first guard in. Yeah. So why is McCary not getting a true look at left guard if he's one of the best five? In So this is where it gets interesting. He's probably one of the best five if he's playing tackle, but once he moves to guard, he just doesn't look like the same player. He's He doesn't have the functional strength that he needs in the run game. Um, that now So add some context to that. A lot of that is watching him play guard in Greg Roman's scheme, which was a power-based gap scheme. We've seen a lot of different looks. We did see some more power than I was expecting from Todd Munkin, and that might be just him transitioning with the personnel he has, and you can't just completely flip the switch and go with an opposite style, right? You need to have a bit of a transition so you're taking advantage of the old regime's uh, skill sets. So that definitely factors in, but we have seen more zone, and I think they wanted to go more zone because that's going to unlock the truly elite run blocking potential of Tyler Linderbaum. And we saw it in the, in the Bucks game when he was getting out there, they were actually mm. running zone under Roman and he made Devin White, uh, his son. And so in that context, I could see maybe giving McCary a look there. I think the other thing with McCary, his durability isn't there. The team has a lot of concerns with his long-term longevity. Um, I think that's why he's never gotten an extended look as a true starter, and he's always kind of a guy off the bench. I don't think they think he'll hold up for 17 games. So I think it's a mixture of functional strength in the run game as an interior player because his best feature when he plays tackle is his pass protection. And I know people talk about his arm length and all that crap that I couldn't care less about. I care about what does he do on the field? Is he effective? How does he use his tools? And in pass pro, he was great. The only time he's ever been a liability to this team was when he hurt his ankle and he was playing against TJ Watt, who only lines up over the right tackle. Um, So he's hobbled playing TJ Watt, who only attacks the right tackle. 
those are odds that are going to stack against right, anyone. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's really what I see with McCary. I understand okay. the thought process, though. I will say what I'm surprised about is he didn't even get snaps there, but I did recently hear he is taking backup center snaps right now. Sure. So what that tells me is, and I originally have said publicly a few times, I don't think Mustafer's going anywhere, but if they're looking at him as potentially a backup center who can also back up literally all five spots in a crunch and Philele is looking like he can play some left tackle, right tackle. Maybe they do get rid of Mustafer, keep Ben Cleveland. And then there's your depth with Salah as the ninth guy and your inactive guy on game day. Mm. Man. So the other question I got to ask is, uh, so I was really big on Linderbaum coming out of the draft. I've, I've always, you know, I think Glenn, and I both were, but I've always been excited about him as a prospect. Obviously he played well this year. What are the things that you see as areas of improvement for him to, you know, solidify himself? I think he has potential to be the best center in the AFC. I think he's got all the talent in the world um, and, and the work ethic and things. But are there things that you see in his game that maybe the, the, the lay person wouldn't, wouldn't see that he needs to improve upon to take that next step as a second-year guy? Yeah, I think his run blocking was exactly what you'd want, um, especially, again, like I said, his zone blocking as a rookie was – like he's showing that elite upside as a run blocker. And um, I remember Brandon Thorne, who is one of the best prospect breakdowns for O-line. Um, he said, you're going to help Linderbaum pass pro to l- unlock what he can do in the run game. And essentially, and people, people don't like hearing that because he's a first round pick. Um, you have to help him and pass like what? He's 290 pounds. Like he, he's going to need a little bit of help. And what people don't realize the guy that was, if, if they were facing a four-man rush last year, the guy that had no one in front of him constantly was Ben Powers. And I know he graded highly on PFF and people thought he, and, and it's not that Ben Powers played bad. And when he did have one-on-one situations, he did well. So credit to him. I'm not trying to take him down to pump up Linderbaum, but they asked Linderbaum to do a lot more one-on-one blocking than they did Powers. Why would they do that? It makes you wonder, right? And so in a lot of those one-on-one pass block situations where he's going against a Quinton Williams, a Dexter Lawrence, a uh, Cam Hayward, the big uglies, he pay- he faced the gauntlet of one text last year. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where he that's where he had issues. It was it was anchoring. And I mean, I think of his he gave up 26 pressures and like three of them came against Quinton Williams in week one of his rookie year. His tough odds again, like you're asking him to anchor against the best nose tackle in football and you're upset that it didn't go perfectly. Like, but I I think he also showed like what people don't realize. And I'd say this is where I try and do my best work to educate people is people, people expect perfection in offensive line play. People think if you aren't making every block that it's a loss. And so what people don't give enough credit to is how offensive lines can recover. And that's what I saw a lot from him. It's that wrestling background of his where say he gets beat cross face going to his right. And then he works him back to his left and creates a step up lane. As much as he's getting the pocket collapsed, if he's creating that step up lane and not letting the guy get by him to get a shot on the quarterback, that's, I would give him a downgrade in terms of grading, but I wouldn't say that he outright lost the battle, but they see him just get pushed back and they're like, Oh, you know, he, he got pushed back in the pocket again. Those recoveries matter, and the way quarterbacks work off of that, Lamar's really good with pocket awareness working off of that, and I thought he worked off Linderbaum really well last year, Tyler Huntley a little bit less so, but completely different type of quarterback. So that's what I would really say about Linderbaum, but what I do want to see out of him is being able to drop that anchor and not get pushed back. That's going to be helping him take that next step. Being in more zone concepts, I think he's going to start getting noticed around the league, you know, in the media, the way he did in that Bucks game. Yeah. 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 I can't, I can't wait to see, cause he looks a little, he looks like he's, you put on some muscle this year, uh, which you expect going from one to two. Um, but let me ask you this. I, I, I want to stay with inside, but, but move to the other side of the ball. When camp first was going, Ajabo was thinking all the headlines. Then he had, and maybe I'm reading too much in this. He had that little time where he got banged up to the point where he even came out to one practice fully dressed, but didn't participate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, Cole, I just, I feel like we're lacking that explosiveness that we were expecting to see uh, from this guy. So am I reading too much into this preseason or are you, do you have concerns of what you've seen from David Ajabo? So what I did is I went through and I clipped every single pass rush snap he had, and there's no analysis to it. It's just a two-minute video over on Road Graders. If you check out that YouTube channel, 
Um, it's every pass rush snap. So I just put it up there so people could just watch it for themselves, not give any commentary, um, just try and give them the film so they can easily watch. What I've seen out of him is definitely a lack of explosiveness. And not only that, when he gets to, you can call it like the top of his rush or the stem of his rush, essentially the contact point, there's so much hesitation. And it's just like, it feels to me like, I'm a big hockey guy, obviously. It's like you get a guy that has great speed that gets to the NHL, and then suddenly they're skating slow. And it's just that processing that can't catch up with their athleticism. And I think mentally he's just really struggling to make the jump. And it's you know what's weird about it, though? He had, what, like 20 snaps, pass rush snaps last year before um, – because he made it back by like week 17. He had the strip sack. Yep. Um, didn't, didn't show up there. Like he looked great right, and explosive. Yeah. But the injury, it does make you wonder, like, mm-hmm. is there something, especially because, like, on those stunts, he's stunting inside. I don't know what got hurt or where, but, like, is there something? With, and he's only lining up on the left-hand side. Is it something when he's going to the right? Like, what is it? So um, he noticeably looked slower. I One thing that stood out to me was when he, I think he's getting his hands, he's short-arming himself when he gets into a contact point, and he's trying to bull rush, but he's giving up all of his length rather than, using like a one hand long arm or a two hand bull rush. And that's just like tackles are just sitting back and just vice gripping his shoulders. And then they're, he's screwed. Um, so it looked like he's really low functional strength, but it's that speed to power conversion that I think where he can really take a jump. Um, so yeah, hasn't looked, it's, it's disappointing. Like I don't want to jump the gun and be like, I don't think he's going to be good. It's not that at all. I think his potential is stupid with the amount of athleticism and how creative he is. Um, as a rusher and he's working with, you know, coach Smith and we've seen some of the advancements he's given other guys. Um, so I, you gotta give him time. It's coming off an Achilles injury, even a veteran coming off an Achilles injury needs time. Um, so a rookie definitely. Mm, I, I hope, I hope you're right. And time is the answer. The, uh, the unfortunate thing is I feel like it's exactly what well, we, we don't have. If he didn't have such a good Bengals game last year, it's like he'd probably be getting more time. But it's like, but you just did that last year. So how could you do that? And now you look like this. Like the, the one thing Glenn knows this. The one thing the one thing that I always get bummed about with guys is like I you remember Mark Andrews year one and then the way he looked coming back in year two? Yep. It was noticeably Noticeable. different. Yeah. I mean, Mark was in such better shape because you have this long season, basically two seasons into one. When you go from the end of your college career, then you go through all the NFL stuff and then you play the NFL season. You, But then when you get that, that final opportunity to work on your body and to me, a job just looks the same like he did last year. He just yeah. looks the same. And like, that kills me. Not that that's everything, right? Like we've seen guys that like Marcus Peters is never going to be. I used to say Broderick Washington has looked Bro- the same. Since Body high school, great, right? And that dude has turned yeah. himself into a hell of a player. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh certainly there's there that's the one thing that, that gets me a little concerned with the job because how much of that translates into like other parts of his commitment? You know what I mean? It's just you know, uh but the other question I had for you is around we were just talking about the tight end room. Mm-hmm. Where are you at this like is has Pat Ricard seen his final days here in Baltimore? Has Volkolek like forced himself onto this roster? How you feeling? Uh, so I'm a big, ugly guy. <laughs> I might be a little biased towards Ricard. Um, my best outcome, I think, is where we keep all these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he'd get claimed off practice squad. Um, vocally. I'm, I really don't know. I, it makes you wonder. There's definitely a depth issue at tight end or in the league. I don't deny that. But we've seen guys like Shamar Bridges. Remember last year? It was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, what do we got here? Goes on practice squad. Still on the team this year. Hasn't done anything in preseason. Not saying that's going to be him, um, but it does make you wonder. So I guess the question is, when you look at the skill sets of Andrews, Likely, Kohler, and Volklev, and then you got Ricard, who stands out as like the one that's different than the other four? And it's Ricard because of what he can do in the run game. So I don't. he certainly won't play as much as he has the last, I'd say, two, even three years. Basically, when Nick Boyle went down – he basically transitioned to being a tight end. So yeah. that's how I look like calling him a fullback at this point is useless. He played more tight end than he did fullback last year. Um, I think he's played seven snaps. I think he played seven snaps on Monday. Two were in the backfield. Five were in line. Yeah, those goal um, line, like when we were in our own end zone. Exactly. Sure, put him in the, in the backfield. Exactly. Right. So I don't really think he's a fullback anymore. I think he's a tight end. 
And uh, I think that's why he wanted to be paid a little bit more because even before he got paid on that three-year deal, he played more tight end. He stepped in for Nick Boyle and essentially played the Nick Boyle role. Um, so I think that's how I look at it. Um, Munkin loves 12 personnel. As much as everyone talks about his spread offense and, um, you know, the three wide receivers we have, which, I mean, I want to have those three on the field as much as possible. I still think we see – basically, I think the base defense, the base offense sorry, is going to be 12 personnel. So – can Ricard give you those snaps, give you that advantage in the run game, give you extra pass protection when you need to keep six in, which they will. They did that a lot with Moses last year. Um, they don't need to as much with Ronnie, especially if his health um, continues. So, you know, do you cut Ricard or do you give yourself that 6-0 line, that guy that can kind of differentiate himself from the others? Because likely is more of like a move guy, Kohler's a little bit similar to Andrews, and then Bokalev is more similar to Andrews and Kohler. So I guess the question is, and keep in mind, Andrews, likely Kohler, are all signed through 2025. Mm-hmm. So when's Bokalev even going to get a look? Is yeah, he going to get a look injury. at any yeah. point? And so the injury, and that's where it's like, do you risk him on practice squad? It's a very fair question. I don't know if he'd stick. It, it would be tough given how, like, he looked good, right? Like, it's not just... Yeah. A flash in the pan. He looks like a good, he's been consistent across every quarter he's played. Um, so that's what I mean by I don't want to say he wouldn't get claimed. I, but I think their best outcome is to keep all five guys. I don't. I, the only route I see is if they keep him on the practice squad and risk it. What yeah. if they keep, What do you think there's a chance because of how much they like these these tight ends and because the, primarily they're pass catchers outside of Pat, do you think there's a chance they go five wideouts and maybe we've penciled Tylen in as the six wideout? Maybe does Tylen get the unfortunate axe and they go five wide and they go heavy and tight end? Really good, really good point. I don't think they will because Tylen is it's been such, good. He's been good and he's a good gunner. So he's playing not just a special team role, but a really critical role. And I should add that also is what helps Ricard is he plays basically if you guys ever look at the at the player breakdowns when the 53 is set. You usually see like 26, 27 offensive players to 24, 23 on offense and not their defense to offense, sorry. Um, so they usually keep more defensive players because there's core special teams guys that are corner safeties, linebackers. Um, Ricard has been playing that, that small, the, the, or sorry, the heavier guy that will be like in the middle of the pump formation, um, the middle of kickoffs, like he's such an athletic freak. And so he's able to kind of do what you see some linebackers do. Um, and that last year when they started, it was 25-25-3 when they made the 53. So I think they're going to go 6-4. Yeah, but I get your point because they could go 5-5. Five, five. Right. Um, I, I think they keep tiling, though. I think they're liking what they're seeing. And the depth at wide receiver, now you go from a spot where you got, you know, me coming in off the street to play wide receiver. And now the six wide receiver is tiling, and I think we're all probably feeling like if he's in the game, maybe we'll get something out of him, right? Yeah. It's not So yeah. I, I want to go 6-4. But I understand the concern about Volklev. I'm just thinking long-term, like, what's his path to actually playing snaps? Because Andrews goes down, it's going to be the Kohler and Likely show, and then you need all those guys to basically go down. And, I mean, you can't plan for, like, three injuries. Sure. So that's the key, right? But also you want to make sure that you're developing young guys. Kind of makes you wonder why Volklev picked here. Because I know a lot of guys pick spot where they see an easier path to the roster. I don't know what the heck his agent was seeing when he picked the Ravens, because why do you think we always get good wide receiver UDFAs? Because we've never true. been able to have wide receivers. Like, like I'm going to that team. I'm yeah. going to Baltimore. I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> uh, Don C says that you look like Mark Andrews. I'm sure you've never heard that before. <laughs> I love getting it every time. Every time I post a video, it's Mark Andrews. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad about it either. That's a good-looking dude. You know what I mean? Good-looking As soon as they hear the accent, though, it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they hear the sorry. How do you, how does it go? Yeah, sorry? Cars. I always say sorry. See? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I also say milk. Apparently that's a Canadian thing. I say milk and How do you say milk. oil? Oil. Okay. That's, yeah. That one's normal. Well, like here in Maryland, like it's a a lot of people say oil. Oh, like, really? Oh yeah, like that's I didn't thing. notice thick Maryland accents when I was down there. It didn't really stand out to me. Well, Baltimore like- certainly you know, they got... They, yeah, don't come that? to Baltimore. Uh, earn, 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 earn. What's that video? You remember that video that came out? Earn, earn. And he was like, damn, we really talk like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't come to Baltimore uh, enunciating the T. That's how they'll know. Oh, this fool's not from here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in Baltimore. Oh, okay, well. Yeah, you, you, you 
You're not. Yeah, you <laughs> Just say Voldemort really fast. It's basically the same thing. Hey, but, my, oh, go ahead, Jimbo. I'll let you. No, the, the other thing I was going to ask, Cole, this is kind of you. You have the liberty to plead the fifth on this one. Um, but when you when you Don't post certain things, liberty, dude. When, <laughs> yeah, you're in the hot seat. That's, That's right. right. When you post certain things, uh, referencing certain media members here in Baltimore, do you ever get a response from people? You ever get phone oh, calls? Oh yeah, like, that, that guy. That guy. Yeah, Which you ever get a call? You know right? that goofball that's on two to six every day in the Baltimore radio uh, station. I, I get texts because, like, I, I obviously don't listen to Baltimore radio. radio sure. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. Here. Well, so I shouldn't say that. I, I'll, I'll sometimes. I love Jeremy Collin. He's like he's yeah. a good friend and he's great. So he's the man. I'll sometimes right the road, tune in the web browser and listen to Jeremy um, do his stuff because he's great. Um, but I'll get texts all the time. Oh, they're referencing you. They're referencing you again. They're referencing you again. So between JLC and uh, oh, Jerry Coleman got fired. So thank God. Um, yeah. I have a whole DM inventory of every time I make fun of him and point out whatever stupid thing he said this week, I get the clown emoji with this is you and, you know, no one knows who you are, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm immediately blocked because he's scared to talk to anyone. Um, you know, he's, he's 130 pounds soaking wet. I, I just... <laughs> I don't. I don't blame him for only talking on the internet. Um, but uh, I mean, he's 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 a goose pickle. It's, it is what it is. Dude, the fact that, I, and I'm gonna let you have a, an opportunity to talk about this guy. But how he could watch that game and say Travis Jones had a bad I was, game? I was livid, and I this is what I mean. Like I had three comments on my video that was like, and one of them was one of my one of my good buddies, Tony. Um, he was like, J, JLC literally was just trashing him yesterday. So I was like, what? Like. He literally dominated both games. Like no one could block him. Um, I, I, it's just it's it's one of those things where I think he just looks at the stat sheet, and I mean it's weird because he had a sack and it was a cleanup sack. It wasn't really anything yeah. pretty. And so if you are a stat watcher, you wouldn't be that impressed with him. But then you watch his other snaps and you're like, oh boy, like he looks different. Um, so I mean he's just he's just a clown. Like it is what it is. It's one of those things where, and I mean this is a credit to you guys too because I've been following you guys for a long time. Like shout out. He, the content creators that are taking over podcasts, YouTube, like all that type of medium, they're better production than the radio stations and the news stations. And there's still good ones out there. Like I said, like Jeremy Collins, one of my guys, um, but you know, I'd Our rather- guy Cordell Woodland. We like Cordell. Yeah, That's Cordell's right. awesome too. Yeah. And, the, and yeah. obviously Jay-Z is a mainstream media guy, Jonas Schaefer, like all those guys are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's really just like, how does radio stay relevant in the world of YouTube podcasts, that sort of thing? And it's people like you guys, it's people like Bobby and Sarah. They're starting to push those people out because why would you go consume the garbage when you can get quality work that people are actually putting thought into? And I saw someone put uh, Engraven in there, another guy, of course. Yeah. Um, one of one of the OGs on YouTube and like mm-hmm. guys in the film space, like Coach Evans, um, you know, Edgar Allen, like just guys that are trying to teach people more about the game. Would you rather learn about what you saw or would you rather hear about how much JLC hates you know, Eric DaCosta this week and Lamar's going to Miami and like that whole saga proves that he has no inside sources. He hates the team because they don't talk to him anymore. Right. Like, exactly. EDC yeah. basically, you know, blocked him out because of all the trash. And so now he's angry and he tries to pick a fight every time and it ends up with him looking wrong. I love it. Like it's all it's the time. He puts his foot in his mouth. It's hilarious. It's like, yeah, dude, it is great. You're going to be wrong. Once again, but let's get back to it. I got to ask you about Keaton Mitchell. This guy is a, I mean, it's like he's got a rocket up his rear end. This guy, every time he touches the ball, it's exciting. And what I talked about with Jimmy last week, and I think this is the biggest thing, is they're asking this guy to do everything. And that tells me he's going to make this damn roster. Because every time they ask him to do it, he does it well. We were at the joint practice. He was gunner. He was getting down. I mean, I was just, I've been so impressed with Keaton Mitchell and equally unimpressed, and maybe this is because of his track record with Melvin Gordon, yeah, the history yeah. of fumble, the fact that he got tackled by 150 pounds of Emmanuel Forbes, it yeah. drove me crazy. But how does Keaton Mitchell make this roster when you got JK, who by, you know, just ask JK how good he is, he'll tell you. Uh, Gus Edwards, who we still love Gus, even though he doesn't look like a great fit. And then we'll Justice we'll Hill's been absolutely amazing, really, since he's come off the injury. He's been like a different guy, but certainly this year he's looked really, really good. How the heck does Keaton Mitchell make this roster, and could he get through to the practice squad? 
Yeah. I think I think he makes the 53, and I think what really helps his case is the fact that, like what I said about Thailand, your two gunners, I think, are going to be Thailand and Justice Hill. And so yeah. Justice Hill is going to be the third running back who they're going to trust, and he's looked really good this year too. Um, completely different player, but he's also played – like he's become a freak gunner on special teams. Like he runs down with reckless abandon like it's dangerous. <laughs> so I think that really helps keep Mitchell's abilities – Seeing him do a little bit of the return work, I think, gives him that depth. Who's going to be, you know, who goes in if Duvernay is out? Um, how does Duvernay factor into the gunner role? All of that kind of impacts Mitchell's um, Mitchell's ability to stick. One thing I'll say about Keaton Mitchell, and I'm doing a film room on this. It should be out tomorrow. Um, I'm looking at two snaps specifically, and it's not to take anything away from Keaton Mitchell. It's to identify where I think he needs to improve as a runner. And I noticed it in his college film. I was a little bit lower on him coming out than most. His he has freakish speed, like, and we've seen it, right? But I'm worried he tries to bounce everything. And I think that mm-hmm. against the starters, once he's in there and it's live, I think that might be something that he struggles with. And so I'm not saying he needs to, you know, be trying to truck step people. That's never going to be his game. Um, but you know, teams will take away that, those outside lanes and he needs to get more comfortable with inside cuts, taking contact and trying to run through them as much as possible. Um, so it's something where I think there was a play against the Eagles where I think he went up the right side and it got blocked up and he came back out the left side. And that's a highlight, right? And I'm not yeah. taking that away from him because that's good awareness rather than just go down. He's making it work. That's not going to work against starters. Like you don't mm-hmm. see those types of plays anymore. Think about like Reggie Bush in college, right? He literally yeah. start running a toss, right? End up on the left, then end up back on the right. You never really saw that once he got to the league. Um, that's a bit of an extreme example, but you guys know what I'm saying. Yeah, for uh, sure. So I'd like to see a little bit of development there, but at the same time, he's a rookie, right? Like there's gonna, he's not a complete player. Um, and I think you got to make sure that you keep that type of freakish skill set because, um, especially what he can do in the pass game. One thing that thrilled me when I was watching him, there, he has two pass block snaps, so sample size alert, but he was very willing, very physical as a pass blocker. And we've heard it how many times with a young running back sticking on it, you know, getting consistent playing time, you have to be able to pass yep. block. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, seeing good reads, seeing him stick his head in and, and get his head dirty. Um, I think that was really positive. So I, I think they keep four and I think Mitchell's on this team. Oh man. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the one thing I know about Keaton Mitchell is that if we were playing red Rover and they called Keaton Mitchell's name, I would be so nervous. flowers. Oh my gosh. Dude, dude, Keaton Mitchell's ability to just stop, like be at a dead stop and then at a dead sprint in three steps, his, his, his acceleration is something insane. So uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. The other question I had for you is behind QB two. Um, how are you feeling about? Uh, I, I think it's locked up. I think it's a done deal, even though he's been hurt. Mm-hmm. I think our, our quarterback not- too is is. I mean, look, he was a Pro Bowler last year. Right? Oh, <laughs> look, Josh Johnson played his way back into the conversation. Josh I'll, Johnson I'll let is not going to be our backup. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is interesting because Huntley played that second half against the Eagles and. Like I, it made no sense to me. I when I when I saw Johnson start, I thought maybe they were just gonna sit Huntley and just play yeah. Brown and Johnson. But that's gotta be somewhat telling, right? To not play Huntley. Um, but how I much think, better did he look in those in that limited time? I felt like like Huntley or moved. Johnson. Uh, Huntley, oh, Huntley looked like a completely different player. But like that's again, that's a guy that's like a backup quality guy playing against thirds. Like he should look like that. He did. Mm-hmm. So I think that speaks to his backup abilities. Um, Josh Johnson's an interesting one. Like he's a journeyman. He's obviously had rough outings when he's had to start, but like any backup does, right? But he sticks around the NFL for so long. And I think coaches, from what I've heard, they really appreciate how anytime he lands in a new facility with a new playbook, he's he's into it right away. He works harder than everybody around him. And that's what keeps you in the league, right? There will um, be an E60 on Josh Johnson one day, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the suitcase. That'll be yeah. the title. The All right, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, credit Johnson. He's played well, right? Like, he's, yeah. he's stuck in there. Um, that interception he threw wasn't really his fault. Oh, Salah got swam. Crochet. Yeah, and Prochet didn't. I, see, that should have been an easy touchdown. Salah misses the block, comes out late. Then it still hits Prochet in the hands. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be a suitcase. Lead. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> oh, uh, package. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, 
Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be Huntley, but I, I think Johnson pushed him more than I, – I don't know if you guys heard around the league was taught – like the NFL, uh, NFL Network show was talking about how it's a legitimate competition. And when I hear stuff like that, like why make that up for no reason as the Ravens' sure. backup job, it, it makes you wonder what did they hear and what does it mean. you got to wonder was the team upset with Huntley after the playoff game last year, so they wanted to give him honest competition and really make him work for the job. Um, I don't know, you're diving out from three yards. I don't know what he was thinking. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's really what it comes down to me. I think they wanted to give him honest competition, and I don't think at any point was it a lot for Huntley. But I think that first game when he got in there, I think he I think he played his way into that into that QB2 spot. Mm. Yeah, oh, it's going to be interesting. Brown is – I think Anthony Brown might be uh, on yeah. his way out. But, hey, when you're a quarterback in this league, stick by your phone because – yeah, there you go. You never, <laughs> you never do know. Let, let and really ask. quickly, Gun, before you ask me a question, we got to pay the bills real quick. Oh, we yeah. got to shout out our sponsor, BetUS. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, of course, the OGs in the betting game. Uh, for all of you all of you that are in Maryland, of course, it's legal to use BetUS in Maryland. We have the link in the description. And the really cool thing is, number one, you can bet on anything. Mm-hmm. You can, Number two, it's legal in Maryland. And three, it is the only platform we've seen with a match that is 125% of your initial deposit up to $2,500. They're really throwing down the money, uh, making the lines uh, really exciting and some really creative bets. Um, I have I think we've asked everyone, Cole, there's an over-under on Mark Andrews at 800 yards for the season. Thank you. Taking that bet. I mean, come on, right? Like, How open is he going to be in the middle of the field? How oh open am I going to be in the middle of the field? <laughs> exactly. Seriously. And anybody, open, yeah. anybody that's spent one day at training camp knows that Lamar, it doesn't matter who's on the outside. Lamar, 89, anytime Lamar feels this much, like when it comes to pressure or nerves, it's just a a, a muscle reaction. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. bam. We saw that drive in that that combined practice. uh, It's like four straight completions to Mark Andrews. Yeah, Yeah. it was like, it was just (laughs) stupid, right? So, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Make some, some, uh, some easy money. Just like Glenn always says, go with what you know. It's an easy way to support the show. Use the link in the description. Sign up and uh, and let us know how you're doing this year with your uh, with but gamble responsibly too. But let us know how you're doing. Let us know how much money you're winning. Yeah, I'm sure we're gonna be uh, dabbling and we'll keep you guys Absolutely. up to date on what we got going up. Now I gotta bring up my my uh, Jimmy's favorite player on defense. Is that Gus Edwards? Oh, on defense. Oh, you talking about PQ? No, no, no. This is actually your favorite player. Oh. Darius Washington has been hey. making. Play after play. I mean, this guy, we fell in love with him last year when he, when, when he comes out. He's this undersized guy. We had on a guy who, from TCU who just raved about him. Yeah. And it's just – it's a, the ball skills is what's impressive to me. Like, it doesn't matter that he's that small because he'll wait for you to catch it, and then he'll just slap it out of your hand. I mean, what have you seen from Ardarius Washington? And do you think the Ravens would feel good asking Ardarius to play big-time snaps at the nickel or dime? Oh, 100%. I, I think one thing, I don't know if this ever made it out publicly, but Wink didn't like Ardarius. He thought he was too small. So when he was in his first year, he didn't really give him an honest look. And then he did face the injuries. Um, but under Mike McDonald, it's been a completely different uh, situation. And I think McDonald's really embraced what he's been putting on film. And I mean, like you saw it, there was that, uh, he wasn't the main guy covering. He was trailing um, in the end zone. The ball popped up. And the receiver was about to grab it on a second clutch. And Ardarius was eye on the ball, knocked it away. Like he couldn't be more opposite of Brandon Stevens, where the ball comes close to Brandon Stevens and he looks like <laughs> the kid in the outfield, like the little kid that's swatting at bees and missing them and the butterflies. And Ardarius is the opposite. He's got a nose for the ball. Uh, he's a playmaker. I you saw it today in the practice report. Like well, they said it was Lamar's best day. He got picked off once and it was by Ardarius. Um, I think he yeah. looks a lot better physically. Um, I think that was going to take a couple of years just to kind of get up to that, you know, being a smaller guy can get that functional strength up, can get his body prepared so that he's not going to face durability issues, which he has unfortunately faced, even left the game. Uh, I think it got reported was he got the wind knocked out of him. So he didn't leave with a stinger or any sort of, it was just, he got hit in the chest that happens to anybody. Um, so I think that's really positive. I think, I think he might start. Like, I, I, I don't know who would be their starter in the nickel. Pepe went out. Um, maybe Mollet, you know, maybe? 
all through Maybe moment. Millet. Do you want him starting? Is there right. a difference between Millet and Ardarius? I'd rather go with Ardarius and try and scratch that upside, right? Like, well, What Millet, about they put Kyle Hamilton back down they let Gino run strong? Any chance? I, 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 I thought about that, and I think you'll see. So I think the important thing is you'll see packages where they do that. Like if they're playing a 12-personnel team uh, mm-hmm. or a team that loves tight ends, a team that will play. Who didn't play week one? Houston. Houston, yeah. Then the Could, Bengals. Could see a little bit. You won't see it against the Bengals, I don't think, because I think they're going to play a lot of too high against Burrow, and they'll want Hamilton back there. Um, But, you know, if they have a a more big slot, maybe you'll see Hamilton play more of those snaps um, versus a small, shifty guy. You can go with Ardarius. Um, So I think that's what I would do. I'd be very matchup specific. But I think if I learned anything watching Mike McDonald in Michigan, what he's done so far with Baltimore – is he's he's not really a set it and forget it on the depth chart guy, right? Like he's gonna adjust the packages, he's gonna try and match up skill sets, um, and he's gonna adjust game to game, which is at least with personnel. I think his his scheme itself is a little bit more vanilla than Winks was. It's a little bit more in the mold of uh uh Team Peas. Mm-hmm. Um where you're kind of getting the same thing every time, but he's adjusting his personnel, whereas Peas never did that. You know, he loved to play two linebackers for some reason. Um, so I, I, that's kind of what I'm expecting. But, um, you know, I love our Darius. I think he's done everything this preseason that you could ask for to give himself a big uh, step up. Yeah. I think it's gonna be... Now, we got to follow up with uh, my, my with Glenn. I thought Glenn was going to ask about PQ. Uh, it's Glenn's fault that we're blocked by, by no, no, definitely, <laughs> definitely your fault. But guess what? Blocks are going away. So PQ get ready oh, yeah, really? for it. Blocks. Oh, Elon is getting rid of the block, which people are extremely uh, disappointed. But you can probably in. mute um, people. Yeah, I don't know, but I know there's a lot of women out there that are probably going to get harassed a lot more uh, when the block button goes away. I didn't think it, it would be Elon that would take off the block, so he's probably been blocked by a woman or two, right back in his yeah, day. Exactly. You know, he he seems like that. Elon. He's probably watching right now on Twitter, like James. James uh, blocked. He's gonna keep. Yeah. It he's just gonna delete our account. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna delete our Twitter account. He's gonna buy YouTube and delete YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, geez. Anyway, no. What I was gonna say is, um, I'm like, oh, so PQ. how do you feel you about go. the middle linebacker group? Everyone's been talking about PQ's focus. Zach Orr's been talking about how excited he is. We've seen the physicality out there, but like. What are you expecting from? I mean, we know what we're going to get from Roquan. What are you expecting from Patrick Queen this year? Are you expecting him to make a big jump, or is it going to be more of the same kind of loss in coverage and arm tackling? Oh, I think he makes a huge jump because I think you saw how much it freed him up when Roquan came in, right? And mm-hmm. it made him, it just put him in a position of comfort where he could kind of play. If you go back to his time at LSU, he was just a, you know, shot out of a shotgun kind of guy, and and he didn't do a whole lot of reading and reacting. And then he gets to Baltimore kind of had the issue CJ Mosley did early where he cut like, remember Mosley had peanut beside him, but Mosley was taking on all the responsibility so that peanut could be freed up to kind of do just what fit his strength. And peanut always looked really good. And people were like, CJ Mosley's trash. He can't cover tight ends, et cetera, et cetera, without kind of acknowledging the responsibilities. I think Roquan's kind of came in, take on a lot of responsibility and it's freed up PQ to just play fast, not have to think as much. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited. And I think some of these backup linebackers have been pretty fun. Like I think Trent Simpson, mm-hmm. not ideal. <laughs> not, not How did he miss wanted. that tackle, Cole? He had the sideline uh, th- th- three inches to his right. A good tackler at Clemson. I don't get it. Um, and it, it kills oh. me because you go look at some of the corners taken after he was drafted. Oh, don't. Yeah, Ringo. Like just yeah, twisting yeah. the knife. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got to give him time. But, like, you know, a, a linebacker that we're developing behind PQ versus – anyway, um, I won't get into it, but you guys know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. And uh, But I'm excited. that I, I think Josh Ross, he's looked pretty good. He had a really good preseason last year. Um, Phillips has looked good. Like, they're making that nice depth position a very fun battle. Um, so I'm very excited to see what they do, but I think PQ is gonna he's gonna get some money. I think at the end of this year, big time. Yeah, yeah we're gonna no, see a lot sure. of two linebackers on the field yeah. with those two and the speed and, and coverage ability. All right, we got to talk wide out. Bateman's back. I'll admit, I'm like I'm still I, I won't allow myself to get emotionally excited because I know it's like different with Bateman. Like people ask me, is this parent? No, because Bateman showed that he could yeah. be someone. He could be really. So it's worse because it, we, yeah, it's it, worse. You know what I mean? What like, he could be. Whereas I don't think we really saw any of those flashes of greatness from yeah. Perriman. But with the foot injury, now everything looks good. He's saying all the right things. Says he's 99. Apparently, he's looked really good in practice, making some some big time plays and. 
in one-on-one, seven-on-sevens. What would a healthy Rashad Bateman do for this group? And then how much confidence do you have that he'll be a contributor in this offense? Oh, big time. And I think the big thing was seeing in practice last week where he was doing releases off both sides. So he was leaning, leading with his left and his right foot. And it's the first time I've seen it this offseason. So, I mean, that gives me some confidence that he's not going to be limited in terms of anything he's asked to do because it's practice. If you, if you still had discomfort in one of your feet, you wouldn't lead on that foot or try and plant on that specific foot. You'd switch feet so that when you you know stick to run your root at the top of the stem, you're pushing off the other foot. Um, as much as possible anyway. Obviously, if you're running a slant, you're on the right side, you have to push off your right foot. Um, but uh, I thought that was very encouraging. In terms of what it's going to look like, I think the most interesting thing is how the hell do they manage the snaps? And so obviously one option is they play a lot of 11. I don't think they will. Like, it's just not really right. what Munkin's done. Even though you go back, if you go back to his 2018, team bucks team where i think Jameis threw the ball 600 times it was absurd um and a lot of wide receiver targets but if you look at the personnel uses he still played two tight ends quite a bit um so i i think you're you're still gonna have a lot of two wide receiver sets just more targets probably going out to the receivers um but i think the advantage is you don't have to play bateman 90 snaps a game you don't have to play obj 90 snaps a game you don't have to play Zay 90 snaps a game. And so I think that might hurt their bottom line stats. Like, I, we probably won't get a pro bowler out of the receiver group, right? Just based on they're still going to run the ball. Um, Andrews I, is still here. <laughs> Andrews is still here. Like, I don't – but I think you might get two, three, 750-plus guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, that's what it's going to be about. I think it's, it's more about, you know, the ends than the means, right? So it's more about what they are able to do. So what Bateman's able to do – very similar to Zay and OBJ. They can beat press. They can play against man. They can play against zone. Um, they can play against any situation. So it's going to be really hard for defenses to do what they did in 2019, where they just played cover three all the time. Because you can't just play cover three against, say, OBJ and Bateman, because they will burn you. Miami tried to play a lot of that cover three look, and look what Bateman did them, right? Mm-hmm. So um, when he's able to take a slant like that to the house, they would they would use that simulated pressure. Once Lamar started getting the ball out, they were just playing cover three the whole time. Um, and then Lamar still burned them because of what Bateman can do. So I, I think that's going to really hurt the way teams play against the Ravens. And if that pass game gets going, then they're going to start running the ball and they're going to have that ability to really match up and just kind of ride the ebbs and flows of the game. And again, I think that might hurt the overall production of the, of the wide receivers, but I think that's okay. Cause I think it's going to lead to better offensive outcomes where they're putting up points. They're getting, uh, they're getting in the end zone in the red zone. They're not kicking three all the time like last year. So that's really what I see. And the other thing that we haven't even talked about, Nelson Aguilar has been like the best wide receiver consistently in training camp. Um, that's because obviously we didn't have Bateman. OPJ kind of got back. A right. Bit later. Um, but Aguilar has been awesome. And so that's really what excites me the most is just, you know, what can Aguilar do, do in a depth role? He's going to be coming off the bench. He's going to be fresh. He can get behind defenses and then, Teams are screwed, right? Like, how do you match up with these guys? Yeah, no, you're right. Because Aguilar in that role, it's perfect. I mean, who are you going to – if you think about our, D, our DBs, so if you took our fourth or whatever, however you want to match it up on the field, are you putting you feeling good about Brandon Stevens or, or, or Darius Washington eight reps a game in a one-on-one scenario against uh, Aguilar? Like, they're going to lose a few of those, right? And they're probably going to be big ones for big games. And so – um, it's really gonna be interesting to see. But the last question I got for you here, uh, Cole, and then we'll let you go, uh, is do you have any dark horse predictions as far as the roster goes? We kind of talked about Keith Mitchell, talked a little bit about Volkleck. Is there anyone else up your sleeve that you're like, hey, keep an eye on this guy or that guy as the, the roster cuts uh, you know, come to a head, or you feel like this is pretty set? I think it's a weird year where it like even and I felt this way before training camp. I just didn't see a whole lot of position battles for the 53. I saw a lot of position battles for starters, like slot corner, inside corner, before they added um, Rock. But, uh, you know, for the 53, I thought it was kind of a boring year. Like, I think a lot of people, if you go back to your June 53-man predictions, it probably hasn't changed a whole lot, especially because the team stayed relatively healthy. Um, I think where you're going to see a surprise is at the cornerback spot. Um, I think Houston Carson made a really good position or a really good push to be on that team. Um, and I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily a dark horse, 
I would say if I had to name one dark horse, it'd be Jeremy Lucian because he's played very consistently, very well. Um, he's mm. moved around quite a bit, and I thought he looked pretty good. So, um, but I would still look. To, I think Houston Carson will beat him out just because he he is an ace special teamer, and we know Harbaugh loves those guys. Um, so I don't know if that counts as uh, as a. Uh, a dark I think horse. Think, yeah, I, I think so. Two. I know we aren't talking about it. He got well. Yeah. He had the nice interception on Brissett, right? Was yeah. that? Yeah. yeah I mean, it was a bad, just bad throw and all. But yeah. hey, he had his head around, came off yeah. his guy, and made a play. I think one of those two make it, and I think I don't. Like, it's kind of weird because he's moved around so much. But a dark horse to get cut could actually be Brandon Stevens. Like wow. I, I, I seriously wonder because at corner, and I like Stevens. Like, and I, I'm, I'm actually a Stevens believer because. I, give me the guy that's losing at the catch point, but sticking to guys, right? Like that's kind of how he loses. It's never, oh, Stevens is completely, you know, running. Yeah, it's not Armor Davis in Miami. Against what if Miami, he right? ball skills? Then we'd be in real good shape. It's insane. Like you go back to, <laughs> he got mossed by Devontae Parker, but I don't think what people realize he ran, Devontae Parker can run. Parker got behind him. He caught up because of how fast he can run. He airmailed that. He was, he was like two feet in the air. And he just got beat by Parker, but it was a hell of a defensive play. He just got mossed, right? And it's a highlight play. And those always seem to happen to him. Uh, so, That's what you Jimmy know. always says. It's like he's got the worst luck. It's like everyone it's, bags on him because you look at the stat, he gave up this minute, this catch, yeah. this catch. Every catch, he's battling his ass off with that guy. And he's right there. Yep, but they just make a phenomenal catch. And everybody goes, Brad Stevens is trash. Yeah. It's like. So I've been a believer, and I've constantly said I think coaches will acknowledge that and want to keep him more than other players because uh um you know i would rather have to work on ball skills than you yeah. know teach him nuances and understanding root recognition and all that kind of stuff right so but I, if i had to pick a dark horse i think that's who it'd be mm, I like last it. one last one for me we can't go the whole show without asking you about zay flowers is it oh yeah that's true is it like when i watch this guy play i mean am i just being like, am I, is my mind influencing what I'm seeing? And I'm getting too excited. He is a rookie, but he doesn't look like a rookie. I'm seeing flashes of AB in his game. I love his, his stop and stop. I mean, I, it's like I was telling Jimmy. His ability to stop is so much faster than everyone else. He can just, I mean, he stops in like two steps. I mean, it's amazing. Am I getting too excited about a rookie wideout? Uh, again, I, I don't know if he's going to have the stupidly high production right off the bat just because of snap limitations and other guys getting targets. But I mean, he's doing things that like, it just shows his innate skills as a football player, right? Like his ability to even just like the, he caught the swing pass against the Eagles, like at a negative three and juke the guy and ends up with a gain of zero on its on the surface, not very impressive, but then you go watch that move and you're like, Oh, look at the awareness. He's the opposite of Hollywood with the ball in his hands. Hollywood would have slid. And he, you know, is able to make a guy miss. And so I think he's I think what they need to do with Zay, and I hope they do it early in games because it really helps Lamar manufacture short touches for him and get him out in space. Yep. And that is something that Munkin does do very well. And we've seen him do with Flowers through two preseason games. So I think he might be a little spark plug to start games. And then as defenses adjust, I think that's where you can see Bateman and OBJ take over. But for a rookie, he's checking all the boxes. And, I mean, I was worried about some of the drop issues he had in college. And so to see him go through two preseason games, no silly little concentration drops or anything. We heard about him in rookie camp. We're not hearing about them anymore, right? So I think maybe that shows that he's adjusting to the speed of the game and he's getting out of his head and just, you know, the mental thing is catching up to his physical abilities. Love it. Love it. Well, Cole, where can the folks find everything you're working on? Yeah. Plug, please. Let everyone know all the places they can interact with you because your content is great. Absolutely. So at Cole Jackson FB, it's in my name there over on Twitter, always doing twi uh, film clips. And then the Road Graders YouTube channel, I just rebranded from two guys watching football. So you can find me over there doing film breakdowns. I just released one an hour ago with Falele. Travis Jones went out earlier. Um, I got some Keith Mitchell snaps out there, David Ojabo snaps. So trying to do a little bit more film access where I give guys um, and girls just copies of the film and let you guys watch without my breakdown. And then you can just kind of get more access to watching the coach's film. That's awesome, man. We greatly appreciate it. We need more folks like you out there doing the good work. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on. That's it for us tonight. Yeah. We will talk to you guys soon. Of course, we'll be tuning in uh, right after the game on Saturday night, so make sure to be uh, locked in with us. We'll talk to you guys soon. That's it for tonight. See you. Thanks.